The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. The Jericho Network on Westwood One. All right, Raven is on Talk is Jericho today, and not only does he have his favorite flock members, he's also got his favorite Saturday Night Live cast members, characters. We're talking a lot about SNL. We're also telling all sorts of stories from our days together in WCW, talking about his time in WWE. It's going to be a great, fun-filled hour with, and it's Raven. Talk is Jericho, baby. Welcome to Talk is Jericho, the pot of thunder and rock and roll. The remedy for boredom has arrived. The People's Podcast is here. Let's go for a ride because it's Friday. And we're talking SNL with Raven today. He's a big pop culture junkie and fan. Loves SNL. Has some favorites of his own, both characters and cast members. He's got a top ten list of the funniest guys in pro wrestling as well. Some names might surprise you. A whole lot of cool stuff going on. A whole lot of laughter coming up. But of course, there's still laughter. We're squeezing out the laughter on Nothing to Report. The Comedy Central digital series. And listen, if you haven't seen it yet, what are you waiting for, man? Do me a favor. Do me a solid. Go check it out. Six episodes five minutes long comedic genius hilarity will ensue i guarantee it and thanks to you guys we're at 1.5 million views hopefully that'll lead to more episodes contact comedy central and let them know or just let them know with your views if you're bored sitting around got nothing to do want to smile want to laugh come check out nick mundy and me and the boys on nothing to report very very funny stuff all right you can watch nothing to report you can also watch shark week which is on right now in Discovery with my bud, my bro, Talk is Jericho alumni, Eli Roth, hosting Shark After Dark. Great, great series of shows. Of course, so much shark knowledge on Shark Week. And of course, who knows more about Creatures of the Sea than Ash the Fish Expert, one of my uh, most popular guests on the show. When I found out it was Shark Week, I contacted him. And guess what? He's back on today. Okay, so we are in the midst of Shark Week and... uh as is the tradition here on Talk is Jericho. Every year on Shark Week, we bring in the resident uh, shark expert, and uh, we have Ash, the fish expert, back on the show for a, must be about your sixth time or so. I believe it is. But before I go talk about, you know, this week's or this Shark Week's episodes, let's discuss pay. I haven't been paid for the last five. What do you mean you haven't been paid? 
You haven't paid me. What are the checks in the mail? <laughs> what do you want to try and negotiate your deal right now? Uh, maybe, maybe later, but what kind of what kind of payment would you want for the show? Money. Well, I understand, but how much money do you think? What do you think you're worth? A lot. Okay, well, we'll discuss the terms uh, <laughs> after the show, uh, after we finish this interview. But uh, if you'd be so kind as to work today, one more show, and I'll take care of the payment later. It's Shark Week, and you've been watching avidly uh, with our with our good friend Eli Roth, is, is the host, doing a great job. So what shows have you watched uh, so far? I've watched quite a few between Shark Fest and Shark Week. Shark Fest is, uh, oh gosh, I forgot. It's not Discoveries. It's like it's on another network. Ge- National Ge- Geographic's version of Shark Week. Oh, so they have a Shark Week, week and, and then a Shark, shark Fest, Fest at the same time. At the same time. Oh, so same week. Yeah. They're trying to weasel into the uh, shark market. I National suppose Geographic. they are. But okay. anyway, it's very interesting between the two shows that I've seen. I guess we'll start off with the most recent or one of the later ones I've seen, and that would be Shark Alley, Shark Alley, um, Ambush, I believe it's called. What was that about? And it's about um, a sardine migration, one of the biggest migrations in all of, you know, the world. Anyway, there's a bunch of sardines, like, I think it was like a billion sardines, all together in one place that travel about 700 miles from South Africa to I can't pronounce the name, but it starts with a Z. Zimbabwe? No, it's not Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe, I think, is in the middle of the country. Okay. (laughs) But they travel up the coast, and while they're traveling up the coast, it's sardines, so there's going to be a lot of predators chasing them, and there is. There's seals, dolphins, sharks, birds, and even some whales in in, Mm. in some cases. And uh, it's really just an interesting tale of how these one uh, a billion sardines come from one place to go to another place, not to mate. No one really knows why they go there because so they just kind of all form in this one big group. Huge bait ball, yeah. Like it's you can see it from space. Wow. Yeah. So the sharks come and feed on the bait. Sharks, dolphins, seals. Now they didn't mention it, but I'm. Uh, there could be swordfish. There probably is swordfish, and there could be thresher sharks. But those are just—they're just saying, you know, what the most common thing is. But there could, and then there's other things, other things that follow, kind of like follow in the shadow of it, like mm. sand tiger sharks and tiger sharks. So that was a show just about all of these sharks. Sar- yeah, and going then and the then at the end of the like when they're just about to get to their breeding place, there's a whole wall blocking them it's called ambush alley there's all these types of sharks hammerheads oh. uh wh- bronze whalers those were the, that so they're the waiting for the they're waiting for this huge bait ball to come and they just block it in and then they just feast on them and some like they'll break off groups and then eat those and wow. then but some manage to get get through the walls so at the end some get through to do whatever they do to get to the breeding ground and not they don't know if it's breeding ground. Okay, they could. don't know what they're doing okay they, yeah. so some kind of like a natural phenomenon or yes like okay. exactly exactly so i remember the other one you were watching was the dead uh, was it the world's deadliest sharks yes world's deadliest sharks it went from top it's the top 10 sharks top 10 deadliest sharks. top 10 deadliest sharks do you remember yes. them 
Or some of them? Some of them, yes. Um, I remember that at 7 was Bull Shark, which really surprised me. I thought that would be up on 1. And number 1 was a shocker to me. Then at number 5 was Tiger Shark, which again shocked me because Tiger Shark, Great White Shark, and Bull Shark all have the highest amount for human attacks. Right. So I'd figured it'd be great. So you thought one of those three would be the Bull, Yeah, Bull Shark, one. Top, Tiger Shark, and then Great White. But really, what really surprised me was number one, and I'll get to that after. I don't I don't remember four, but I, three was a Salmon Shark, which they are in colder waters, and they migrate every spring. So when the salmon are coming in, going in river, going into the river... To, you know, spawn mm-hmm. and then eventually die because of their fresh salt water going into fresh water so they can't live. Mm-hmm. But they do that and the salmon sharks wait at the mouths of rivers to just ambush the fish and it they get it off a good chunk, but then it's basically it's just futile because all of them die in the end. Okay. Whether it's so by shark would, like, or by water. What number was that? Three. Okay, so what was number two? Great white shark. So great whites and tiger sharks and bull sharks have already been listed. And they're not number one. That's what's, what's the playing. number one most dangerous shark? Drum roll, please. <laughs> whale shark. Wow. And I was just like, what? Because whale sharks have had, I'm pretty sure, zero amount of human de- loss of life. Human kills. Human kills. There's right. been virtually none. There could have been some cases where... Some free divers and snorkelers like to hold on to the, their fins and then just get a free ride. Mm-hmm. But then they dive down all of a sudden and you just can't let go and then the pressure you gets get, you. Okay, so you get pulled down to the depths by the whale shark. But you're saying they're not going around attacking people. Yes, but like really they it's they have the most fish and plankton death rates. Hmm. Like, because, just because they open their mouth when... Fish are mating and then just eat all the eggs and the sperm. Okay. A little weird, but right. they eat, just eat that and all the krill and plankton by the pff, millions. So why was it listed as the most dangerous shark? I don't know, because it has most mo- most kills. Of things of, other than of humans. Of things, yeah. Other, other humans, fish. Yeah. Okay. And I just really didn't get that, but... Like at, I think at number ten was a reef shark, a Caribbean reef shark, and there was a black tip shark at number nine and eight. And eight was a white tip reef shark, I think. It was just a really, it was a really mixed up list. I didn't expect to see what I saw. Okay, well that's why you watch Shark Week because there's a lot of different things. There you go. Now just as a quick little uh, segue, because um, I wanted to hear you say this because you were talking about it the other day. You've seen Jurassic World. Yes. Three times. So going from sharks to dinosaurs. Dinosaurs to sharks. Sorry, yeah. yeah. Well, actually sharks. We're talking sharks to dinosaurs. But you were talking about all of the dinosaurs. Were you talking about the major dinosaurs? Or you listed all the dinosaurs. What were that you were oh, talking about? Oh, all the dinosaurs of the first the first film, Jurassic oh, from, Park from, 1. from Jurassic Park. Yeah. What yeah. dinosaurs were in that? There's eight species of uh, dinosaurs on the island, and it's... There's three carnivores and five herbivores, and the herb- herbivores are Gallimimus, Triceratops, Brontosaurus, Parasaurolophus, and Pachycephalosaurus. <laughs> okay. I like to see a five-year-old try to pronounce those. <laughs> or how about a 44-year-old? <laughs> a Pachycephalolophus. 
Pachycephalosaurus. Those are, the ones, those are the ones with the bald heads and butt heads. You know what we're going to do is we're going to f- video this and we're going to send it to Slash after <laughs> who's the biggest dinosaur fan I know. Okay, so those are the five herbivores. herbivores and then the carnivores are Dilophosaurus, Velociraptor, and T-Rex. Wow. Okay, so those are the eight in, in the first one. Yeah. Did you like Jurassic World? Oh, my gosh. It was so good. I saw it three times. I mean, there's the special effects, the... Chris Pratt, I mean, come on, man. Perfect actor. Have for you that. heard this new thing, though, that they're talking about they're going to do a Han Solo prequel, talking about the whole uh, story of Han Solo before Star Wars? I've not heard And they're that. saying that Chris Pratt's going to be Han Solo. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That would be great, right? That would be amazing. Yeah. My favorite scene in Jurassic World is when. Um, the uh, pterodactyl attack starts, the pterodons, yeah, the- and they grab the babysitter and they're dropping her in the water and then finally the big mosasaur comes and just goes, <laughs> it was yeah. great. The Mos- uh, it, in that movie, there's a couple of design flaws in that movie. and In what way? I, like, just in the size of that mosasaur. That's about three times its size. So you're saying mosasaurs aren't that big? They're not that big. They cannot fit that entire pterodon and the babysitter in Into his mouth. mouth. No. Okay. Well, just still, it was maybe still... it could fit probably up to. It's just not. It's not. So that it was a mosasaur was like the size of a shark or something. It was pretty big. It was like forty three feet, but it's big, and its jaws are just not that. It's just not that big. Okay. So you're really starting to get into dinosaurs now. Yes, I am. And what was I going to say? Shoot, I had something very interesting to say, and I can't remember. Mosasaurs and dinosaurs and. Oh yes, I was. On YouTube, and I just happened to see this thing about a mosasaur, and it's, they have a plate in the back, like, behind their jaws that holds down onto the food, so it it just clamps it down, Hmm. and then the jaws scrape it in. Ooh. Yeah, it's very, it's like, if you got bit by a mosasaur in modern times, it'd put you into shock almost instantly. As soon as you bit down, you'd just be in shock, so you didn't feel the rest. Wow, so you're now becoming Ash the Dinosaur Expert. Well, let's go to uh, some questions oh, yeah. from, uh, from the fans. That's what I like. All right, so we have at uh, Ruby Believe wants to know, Hey, Ash, happy Shark Week. Since sawfish, happy Shark Week, too. Okay. Since sawfish are related to sharks, are the teeth on its snout real? Strange, cool fish. Totally. And they're actually not related to sharks. They're related to stingrays. Oh. They're clo- yeah, they're more closely related to stingrays. And the teeth on its uh, rostrum are completely real. <laughs> rostrum. There's another word for you. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's great. At Real Jeff Wyatt wants to know, and we just watched somebody doing this, if you could go diving or go on a shark cage, what two types of sharks would you want to see the most? We did this. Hmm? We did this. Oh, that's right. We did this in the Bahamas. Yeah, we went about a month ago. Yep. We 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 went put on the old school diving apparatus and walked down the ladder where we had to blow our nose with our fingers equalizing equalizing it. And what kind of sharks were in there? Nurse sharks and reef sharks, and like some of them ranging up to ranging up to ten feet. And the nurse sharks were mating, uh-huh. and that's when they're most aggressive. That's right. We saw them mating too. It was pretty crazy. So. Um, all right, so so you would like to see those? That's your answer. Nurse sharks and, and I mean, sharks? I'd like to go with pretty much anything. I wouldn't mind any shark, but I probably want to go with 
uh, some black tips and reef sharks. Okay, we saw the reef sharks. We got yeah, that. Yeah, got that. All right. Uh, at the pink lady eighteen <laughs> wants to know how do horn sharks find shellfish buried in the sand? Well, horn sharks kind of have. Uh, they have these things called Lorenzini something or something Lorenzini Lorenzini. Ugh. But it's little pores on their snout that just can sense movement. Okay. So even when and like electrical beats, impulses, like impulses. Yes, thank you. Yeah, and that is also amplified with their lateral line, which is something like Lorenzini amp- ampullae, ampullae Lorenzini or something. Okay, that's pretty but, close. Yeah, <laughs> I have to say, but just basically, it could could sense electrical impulses, so it knows where crabs and snails and okay. lobsters are going to be. All right, that's a great answer, by the way. Thank you. And uh, we'll ask one more question. This kind of goes in. This is more of your opinion. At Evil Jackalopes, <laughs> talking about Jurassic World, <laughs> says uh, in Jurassic World, would the one in the lake have been better if it was a megalodon? Yes. Yes, that's completely in my opinion. Maybe they'll have that in Jurassic uh, Planet, the fourth <laughs> installment. Well, uh, ask if. the fish expert. You're smarter than ever. Thank you. And um, Shark Week continues. I think mm-hmm. you have a show paused right now. Ninja can, Shark. A ninja Shark, which is and about... A thresher shark. And it's finally not about a great white. Every single show on Shark Week is great white. So get some variety, Shark Week. Yes, please, 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 please. All right, and we'll try and get you some payment so you'll come back and do another episode. (laughs) Bye. All right, thanks to Ash, the fish expert. So much knowledge, and now he's branching out into dinosaurs. Look out below. I don't don't know what to expect with this kid. He's way, way smarter than me, and that's great because he's my son, so he can uh, take care of me in my later years when my brain turns to mush. Speaking of mush, I'm talking to Raven coming up very soon. One of my old buddies uh, from the WCW days and early WWE days. And uh, lots of great funny stories with him uh, about our old days in WCW and in the WWE. And in honor of this uh, great, great show today, I have to shave. Guess what? I got a fever. And the only prescription... It's more cowbell. Okay, so this this week was the uh, SNL 40th anniversary, and I decided to to bring in my pop culture doppelganger <laughs> Raven to talk about uh, talk about all sorts of stuff. But uh, uh, the SNL 40th anniversary, and and you've brought this this Rolling Stone magazine, which I haven't had a chance to look at yet, which talks about is it the 40? Oh, the, the it has it, they, well, the Rolling Stone lists. The 140, I guess there were 140 people that were actually on the cast at some point. Mm-hmm. And uh, they list, um, in their opinion, who was, like, they rank them. And the, who was ranked the worst was Robert Downey Jr. That's why they had been on the anniversary show. <laughs> so Robert Downey Jr. was the worst cast member of all time. Yeah, that's what they say. Which is funny because, I mean, do you remember his season that he was on? I never watched it. He was on with Anthony Michael Hall. Right. No, I, I missed the. I, I watched the early years, and then I didn't come back till. Uh, you know, I watched a little bit of the Billy Crystal, maybe, um, and then a little bit. What was the next group of seasons? Hold on, they got. I think it's listed in here. Then, um, then the next. Uh, well, after Billy Crystal, because Billy Crystal and Martin Short and some of the Eddie Murphy stuff. Yeah. Uh, oh, the Eddie Murphy seasons, but you know those are if Eddie. Mur- oh, listen to this. They're not take. 
go all over off a tangent, but that's going to happen. Tim Kazarinsky, number 32. What? I know. <laughs> Kazarinsky, he was a sweet chuck on Police Academy. He wasn't even a 32nd best guy, guy on, on Police Academy. <laughs> you know what's funny, too, is that they, um, uh, they always overemphasize Chris Rock's participation in Silent I Live. know. Chris Rock, he was terrible. He, not only was he terrible, he was never on. He was never on. Exactly. Like they always like they bring him out at the beginning of the 40th anniversary thing. Like it's such a big thing. That oh, Chris Rock is here, and he was never on the show. There's a lot of guys that were like that though. They became really famous that weren't anything. A on lot the show. of them. But but here's the best part is is they go, we're only going to review rate them by what they did on camera, and then they Tina Tina Fey, who's number three which is arguable but it's pretty you know up there um then they put over how how she made it okay for women and and all that so all of a sudden now they're rating her on her influence which is what they specifically said they weren't going to do so who's number one john belushi Belushi. i disagree with that i do too okay what's the top 10 Uh, belushi murphy tina fey mike myers dan Aykroyd, bill murray phil hartman amy poehler gilda radner and chevy chase I, I, I so disagree with most of those choices. Do you have a top 10 of who you would say? I don't know. Um, Bill Murray's definitely in there. Uh, Mike Myers is in there. Uh, Eddie Murphy has to be in there. Um, I'm going with Murphy, Farrell. Yeah, Farrell uh, has to be in there. Pat Farrell has to be in there. I'm also going to go with, uh, I mean, Chris Farley. I mean, come on. Dana Carvey. Could be the funniest. I think Farley or Carvey are the funniest for me. They put Bill Hader at 13. I mean, he's that, that's good, ridi- but, I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. ridiculous. Yeah, that is ridiculous. But then what about Martin Short? They put him up there. I, and I finally will admit that Martin Short has become funny. He has become funny. <laughs> now let's talk about the big debate in WCW. <laughs> now this big debate in WCW is whether Martin Short, funny or not funny. And it, all the Canadians backed Martin Short strictly because it was a country thing. But I, on the other hand, and, and all the uh, people south of the border, which would be North, which would be <laughs> the U.S. of A. <laughs> the U.S. of A in Mexico thought Martin Short was unfunny, which he was for a long time until he did that. Uh, the fat guy gimmick. Jiminy Glick. That was awesome. So are you saying that you went and pulled the Mexicans in WCW, the Luchadors, and asked them? Sure, if sure I did. <laughs> well, no, I pulled Conan, who spoke for all the Mexicans. <laughs> you know what was great, too, is that we, I remember we walked up and down the uh, hallways asking people. I know. If sure was and Bischoff just looked at us like we had two heads. Nothing. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, like uh, Bret Hart was like uh, into it. Everyone was into it. Disco was adamant. Martin Short was not funny. Right. We go to Eric. Hey, Eric, is Martin Short funny or not funny? He's like, what? Uh, I don't know. But then he actually goes, yeah, he's funny. Like then he actually became a part of it. I was like, oh, that's odd. <laughs> but remember, it was the Yumi and Conan were the pop culture the tri- triumvirate. The triumvirate, the triumvirate of useless information. And the uh, and the whole point of it was we would try and stump each other, right? With the uh, the, the different pop, culture which was my second questions. comedy trio, because the original comedy trio was me, Pillman, and Austin. When we were in WCW, we used to ride together. Um, Pillman would sit in the back, would sleep in the back seat. Well, he'd lay in the back seat reading his uh, his um, vocabulary book too. So that's why he had the world's most expansive uh, working vocabulary. Like he would use words that you never even heard of in a sentence correctly. Uh, Austin would drive because I couldn't drive worth a crap, or at least I pretended I couldn't because I didn't <laughs> want to drive. And I would sit in the passenger seat. And uh, and Nash was the heavyweight comedy champion. But then we stripped him of the title in Detroit because he. 
yeah, we were all late for a show or something, and he dissed us and didn't wait for us to go in. <laughs> so he stripped him of the title? I think so, yeah. So what do you mean Pillman was sitting in the back with the vocabulary book? Well, I, I mean, when we weren't doing, when we weren't working on the comedy trio. Um, but yeah, he would sit there in the back, and like he'd either read books about saving money, because you know, he married um, Warrior's ex, and that came with three kids, I guess. I think it was three kids. That was Warrior's ex? Yeah, yeah. Melanie? War- yeah, Melanie, yeah. Oh, wow. And, I, and that came, was it three kids? Yeah, three kids. Yeah, that came with three kids, so all of a sudden he picked up a load. Um, and then, um, and that's also why he hated the warrior. I mean, I don't know if it's, if he was, if the warrior was abusive to her or anything like that. He never said that, but just for being with her, I think he hated her. (laughs) And, uh, the, um, and he would read power vocabulary books, you know? And, uh, yeah, it was funny. I remember Bob Backlund used to do that in Japan, but he had one of those talking, like, speak-and-spell things where the word was like, like, lugubrious, a melancholy state of mind. And he'd turn around and be sitting there like, that's a good word, eh, Chris? That's a good one. You want to hear a funny story about Backlund? This was back when, uh, in the Johnny Polo days. This was like 92. And uh, the, um, so I needed a ride back from some building because I was going back to Stanford where I lived because I was also an associate producer of Raw. And, uh, so I said, Bob, can I ride with you? And he's like, yeah, yeah, sure. So uh, so me and Bob, so I go, hey, listen, do you, do you mind if we get some beer? And I don't think Bob's going to drink. He's straight-laced. He's like, yeah, I, I'm going to get a 12-pack. And I'm just being nice. I'm like, yeah, you want to? He goes, yeah, give me a 12-pack. So I get him one. And so he goes, hey, so I give him one. I start drinking one. He's like, here, can I have another? I'm like, he's already finished one. So I give it to him. Here, can I have another? I'm like, what? He finished like 12 before I was done six. I'm like, what the hell? And then, and then so then – um. And we had a really good time, too. He was a really good guy. Um, and so I go, listen, um, I'm going to probably go out now. Uh, now that we're, you know, we're back in Stanford, I go, do you want to go to a strip club or something? And I just figured I'd ask to be nice. He's like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> we go to a strip club where we're playing pool and everyone's like, and like, I forget because like, I, I didn't live up north really when Backlund was the champion, but Backlund was like a god for like five yeah. years. I mean, like, you know, I remember the end when he was howdy doody, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, that's when I, I think I went up there for college up to Delaware, but, um, before that, he you know he used to be a jacked up you know before yeah. before he decided to stop lifting weights. I mean, he looked like a gas monkey, and he probably wasn't. Mm-hmm. But but so he yeah, had so, crazy training regimen too. Yeah, yeah. well, that, but this is all. But when he was weight training, I mean, he was big. Like, mm-hmm. go get pictures, and um, and so. Uh, yeah, so everybody, so they were like bowing at him, like, he, you know, like how they do for Ric Flair and stuff. And I was like, holy shit, I couldn't believe it. And I was like, man, how, how come you can drink like that? He goes, because I rode with Arnold Skolin for years. He goes, that's nothing. <laughs> I remember that I had that same experience in Japan with me. Here's a Motley crew. Me, uh, Bob Backlund, and Dick Murdoch. Wow. Went out drinking. And like you said, like you, I never expected Bob. He outdrank both of us. Oh, I'm sure. He outdrank Dick Murdoch. You I'm know sure, I mean? yeah. Because Dickie sure. was one of them Texas guys. He'd drink his 12 beers and he'd be ready to go to bed. Bob's was like, come on, let's have some more. Let's do some more. <laughs> I don't want to get lugubrious here. You know, and he, Did Dick know who you were, out of curiosity? Like, how far? Because you were, this was back before you. It's like 94. Yeah, Dick, Dick knew me because I'd met him in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Ah, okay. So I traveled with him once or twice. I think Cornette asked me to drive him around one, one loop. Isn't it weird how like if you don't know somebody like if you're if you're not a name like you don't you have no like you're just a, a flunky toady until you make a loop with somebody but once you've made one yeah. one ride or one loop 
automatically you're like one of the guys. But until then, you're just a toady. Just, yeah, to- a toady. <laughs> but, a minion. But that was it, though, how, uh, how Dick, he, he didn't teach me, but that's why I found out he could throw the beer bottle out the window and, and hit, a hit, sign. hit a sign every time. Yeah, that's hard. Oh, yeah. We used to do that all the time. Like, like I don't know who I picked it up from. Oh, the Grappler. And he probably got it from Murdoch because the Grappler used to. Up in Portland, yeah, right? No, yeah. no, the Grappler used to be. People don't notice, but before that, the Grappler, when he was like 20, he was the uh, he was Watts' top guy. Hmm. Yeah, he was, he was on top at the Superdome. You know, against the junkyard dog and stuff. You know, he did an angle where he they did an angle where he had like the uh, the the world title or whatever their title was. Mm-hmm. You know, not the world title, but the you know the, the southern states regional mid, title. Yeah. yeah, the mid south title. He had both tag titles because his partner was hurt, and, and he was blinded and he had a cane. <laughs> <laughs> and so then you know and and, uh, and so he feuded with the JYD and so you know so I mean and that's only like two years in the business that's how good the guy was, was like two years in the business or a year in the business he was already on top for Watts and Watts is you know he's a stickler for paying your dues and that kind of crap you know hmm. but but uh so yeah so the grappler I guess is where I learned how to throw a bottle out and to hit a sign but man Portland must be littered with <laughs> with beer bottles that just miss signs smash beer bottles all across the well, country or a lot of ones that didn't smash cuz I missed them cuz they landed in the in the grass in the median they're good when kids went looking for their uh, softball fundraisers the recycling <laughs> <laughs> so tell us more about the uh, about the uh, amazing comedy trio yeah i mean we just i don't know why but uh at, at that point, I was still uh, making my comedy bones, so I was the weak link. <laughs> I was known as the weak link of the comedy trio at that time. And uh, before going on to being the funniest guy in ECW until Brian Lee came along, and, and, and they, which he probably was funnier than me. I'm, I'm actually, I'm sure he was funnier than me, but it was, there was no way they were going to let somebody who wasn't, even if he would just been close, they were going to appoint him instead of me just to rub it in my face. <laughs> so but, you're still learning your comedy bones. You're the yes, weak link. Yeah, I was the weak link. And, and like, you know, and oh, it was harsh too. If you'd throw a, like a zinger out there, but it didn't, it didn't fly. Oh man, you just get decimated by Austin and Pillman. You know they would just blister me. Oh, it was horrible. How did you end up riding with them? Um, me and Austin always got along great, and uh, me and Pillman got along great because we started working together. Like he, I think he was part of the reason they brought me in there because he wanted somebody he could feud with that wasn't like just high spots. You know what I mean? Mm. They could actually have a, you know a program with. And um, when I was uh, in Portland, or no, where, where was I? Uh, well, wherever, wherever the hell I was. And, um, yeah, so, and me and Pillman, uh, at first, man, taking those chops was so brutal. I mean, I, I was like, oh, it was nightmarish because nobody chopped harder than Pillman. And he didn't do knife-edge chops. He did kind of overhand chops? Well, that, no, he, well, he switched. He switched. I forget which way he switched because somebody told him it looks more pit, which was even more devastating when he did it the regular way. Hitting your nipples. I remember that. Uh, well, actually, no, John Nord was the worst. John Nord would chop you, and his hand was so big, there'd be, like, a thumbprint on your arm, on your body, but one would be on your nipple, one finger, another one would be in your belly button, someone would be up your nose. This is horrible. But so then Pillman started chopping me, and, and man, I was, and we hadn't got along yet. And, you know, we didn't just get along, but, you know, and uh, somebody goes, um, yeah, next time he goes to chop you, this it, is the worst, the stupidest thing ever, but they go, put your hand on your chest. <laughs> Which actually, Pillman comes back. He was livid. He's like, "Mother, you almost broke my hand." I'm like, "Oh, it does work, but it's not the way to, to tell somebody." Yeah, 
so there actually is a way, which I'll tell you off the air, how to how to make chops completely unpainful. Uh, but I'll tell you later because I don't want to give it away because that's one I like. I love to teach people how to you know wrestle, but there are some secrets that need to be kept. <laughs> still be kept. I think I know what the answer to that is. I use it all the time. Yeah. Um, you, you, I want to get from Regal too. I don't know. I think I just figured out over the years of working oh. against Benoit and being in Japan and all that about, sort of stuff. How about Flair? He, when he would chop everybody, but then when somebody would chop him, when, when somebody, oh. he'd crunch. He'd, yes. That was something you would do is you would wrap the guy's arms in the ropes, right. like in the turnbuckle, so they had no choice. Because some guys will always weasel. Sheamus kind of does that too. Like you chop, him super, chop you super hard and then try and kind of put their shoulder into it where you don't get anything out of it. I tell indie guys, I say, look, nobody, if you chop me and then we're fighting, I go, I'm not, not I, I've passed the point where I need to take any chops. You know what I mean? Well, you wear a shirt anyways though. Yeah, but it doesn't make a difference. Yeah. <laughs> it's still like, it still would hurt. Um, people don't realize that's the most painful thing in wrestling yeah. is the chop. Well, that's why people like it in the crowd because they can feel it and they can hear it. They can hear it. That's you really. Know? That's why, I like when you do a super kick, but you smack your leg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why they work so well. Yeah, Enziguri's are like that too. Yeah, get a little clap going. I worked with Ken Shamrock when I first came to the WWE, and we did a house show in San Diego, and I chopped him. About two seconds later, I was in a pretzel roll with my head up my ass. <laughs> And afterwards, I was like, "What happened?" He goes, "You don't you know, don't chop me, man. That stuff that's 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 uh, looks like crap. It's fake bullshit." I'm like, "Listen, dude, just tell me. You don't have to roll me up <laughs> in, a, awesome. in a pretzel." He was super serious about it, man. He, he got me stressed right out. Um, An Undertaker has standing orders, right, not to be chopped. Oh, really? I, that's what I, whenever I was uh, when I did, when I was there, I remember being told that. But well, maybe that know. changed over the years because I think I, I think I chopped him when when I was working with him. Ace told me on my first tour of Japan for all Japan. My for my first tour of Japan it was all Japan. And Ace tells me, "Yeah, you got to chop Baba. He likes it." So what am I supposed to do? Like, like I know he doesn't. Like, I, like yeah. I know I'm like I'm ninety percent sure I'm being ribbed. Yeah, but I'm like, fuck, you know, because Ace <laughs> is taking me under his wing. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, because he he'd been there. Like, he wasn't the grand domo like he became, but. <laughs> But uh, he went to Poobah, but but he was on his way there, you know. And, yeah. I, and me and him used to ride together in Florida, Championship Wrestle. And I was like, uh, so I chopped Baba. And Baba just no-sold it. I, I don't know whether it bothered him or not, but, <laughs> but I never went back to all Japan. <laughs> the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey, I wrote down a note. You were talking about how you were just learning, getting your comedy bones about you. We mentioned the top 10 funniest Saturday Night Live guys. Who are the top ten funniest guys in the wrestling business? Brian Lee is definitely one of them. Um, Brian Lee, uh, who else? Uh, Pillman was absolutely really. Pillman was hysterical, um, and and he Pillman would cut five literally five minutes. Like, did you ever hear Arn Mick cut a promo like a like a like a blistering promo filled with uh, funny comic comedic barbs in it? Yes, Pillman's blew his away. Really? That's how good Pillman was. Yeah. And Pillman was, a, oh, he was unbelievable. He was the master. Um, Arn, Arn was hysterical. I don't know if he still is. You know, he got kind of 
bitter for a long time. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. Well, you know? he, he's he's in the office now, but he still he still lets loose with some funny. I mean, the, the, one of my all time favorite catchphrases that's not a catchphrase was arms arm would say something was the screaming shits. <laughs> That's a screaming shits. The uh, I remember Stan Lane goes one time. He goes, he goes. You couldn't draw a breath. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we have Arn uh, Pillman, uh, Brian Lee. It was Brian Lee was actually Brian really funny. Lee, unbelievable. Austin's pretty funny. Austin, Austin's got a good Austin, sense of humor. Yeah, Austin, Austin's one of the funniest guys. Um, trying to think, I'm, outside of the ring, uh, not so. Back in the day, Dean Malenko was really good with the one-liners. Mm-hmm. Not your style of humor. You know what I, I, I appreciate. It. I think it's clever, but he never made me laugh out loud. You know what I mean? Like he never made. One me time, laugh. Knobs was changing and putting on his underwear, and Dean goes, "That's not a G string. That's the whole alphabet." <laughs> no pop. But see, but see, with that, no. But I pop because the way he delivered it. You know, I'm saying. But if Dean, I don't know. Dean's delivery never made me laugh. All right, who else is funny? Uh, who um, else we got? David Spade. <laughs> He's in my top ten. I'm looking through this thing. Uh, oh, you're back in the Rolling Stone well, now. I mean, we did start with that. I was going to come back to it. But he, uh, look at this. Out of 141, Norm McDonald's 135 and Colin Quinn's 136. How is even that possible? Who, who's 130, uh, 134? Randy Quaid. <laughs> <laughs> you know what this is like? This is like looking through the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Top 500. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. Where the top 30 matter, and then all that matters after that is like whoever's last. Whoever's in last place. Oh, Nash. Them. Nash is one of the funniest guys in the business. Okay, now you're back to Nash. Yeah, well, I don't know. I, yeah, Nash, my brain yeah. works on weird. Was Nash in the uh, comedy? Uh... He was the heavyweight champion. Oh, okay, okay. okay. So there's four of you. Okay. Uh, you know who else is funny? Uh, um, Tex Slazinger. No, oh. no, no. Yeah, it's Tex Slazinger. A.K.A. Naked Midian. Yes. Yeah, Midian and his Naked. partner, Shanghai Penis. <laughs> <laughs> so what were some of the other gangs? How was the uh the uh, the drunken four horsemen? Yeah, the drunken four horsemen that was, was a awesome. Good one. That, was... that was that was me, you and and Kurt Hennig and and, and uh, Mongo. Mongo but Mongo and Kurt never knew they were in the group. <laughs> we didn't have the guts to tell them. I think them. you named it. I think that was your creation. What happened was we were always see things have changed now. Like back in WCW, everyone stayed in the same hotel. They don't anymore? No. No, 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 no. I mean, there's a TV hotel, but it's not like there's no one really. I mean, some people go, but back in WCW, everybody would go. Yeah. And then everybody would go to the bar after. Sure. Everybody. That never happens. And now. you could never get people to go to a bar that wasn't at the hotel. Like, yeah. Well, at least back in. Well, not by WCW, you could, but back in the day. Way back in the day, you couldn't get anybody to leave the hotel bar. Which I got a great story about that, but give it to me. All right, so me and Janetti, uh so we're in L.A. and so, Marty Janetti. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean him used to hang out. Oh, he was funny as shit too. He was. Up there. I didn't really know him too well. I just kind of knew him on the back end of his career. Oh, he's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like, and he, he could actually wrestle for a shoe, like he wrestled for Auburn. So like he would always wrestle and mess around with Scott Steiner and take him down, and then and like he'd get the better of him, but then run away. <laughs> So Steiner couldn't get his revenge, and then I jump Marty in the lock in, in the hotel. Like if we, you know, back then, you know, you know, nobody had any money, so you're sharing rooms, mm-hmm. you know. And I mean, like now, I could, I can't even imagine sharing a room. But back unbelievable, then, right? Yeah, I couldn't do it. But back, back then, there'd then, be six of us in a car, and then four in a room, five yeah. in a room, or whatever. But but then it became like you just two in a room, you know, just because you were buddies and you were just splitting a room. You know what I mean? Right. Like it just was normal. But um. The, is the sound uh, too high? No, too it's long? great. It's All perfect. Right. So, the uh, so Marty, I think, had just uh, be, jumped Scott or whatever, and uh, 
And I think that's when I, oh, that's when I was, uh, when I, okay, I was Johnny Polo. And we would do those, remember those promos, the face-to-face where you're supposed to be in opposite parts of the country and yet but really just had a curtain between you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So Steiner would go, me and my brother are brothers, ah, shit. <laughs> and I'd stick my head around the curtain, nice promo, and Rick would chase me down the hallway. <laughs> and every time, like I'd, like, I'd come in for my punch at the end of the match with the Quebecers, you know, as Johnny Polo, I'd have to feed at the end. Like the... Uh, He'd give me the Popeye punch. Like, I, I always had, like, a baseball hat or something. And, like, you know, the little knot on the top of it? He'd give me the, like the, oh, yeah, the yeah. Popeye punch right on the knot. Oh, the it, little he, button that's yeah, on top of the hat. Yeah. Oh, that never get hit when you get in the head with that. <laughs> oh, that would kill. But but every night I'd put it back on just because it was funny. <laughs> so you and Jeanette, you're talking about the, yeah. the bar story. So, well, the, this ties in. So, so, you know, so Rick would, you know, Rick never really tied me up like he did a lot of people because we mm. always kind of got along really well. But, uh, you know, but so he would, you know, like if we're wrestling around, you know, he would just kind of, you know, because he knew, I guess I may pose no <laughs> threat whatsoever. No threat whatsoever. Like he didn't really uh, do anything. But Marty would then take Scott down and, and get on top of him and ride him and then take off running. So then we get back to the hotel room and I jump Marty in the hotel, take him down on the bed and cover him. So basically I was beating the Steiners by proxy. <laughs> But I never told the Steiners that, luckily. I just like we never told uh, Kurt Hanning and, and uh, Mongo that no, they were in the Drunken Four Horsemen. I think we told them once and they had no idea what we were talking about. Well, I mean, we were just, I, I know I was. I mean, you were kind of a little bit higher up in the in the upper echelon of, of the of the food chain. But I was just happy to be hanging out with somebody that was like a top guy that was actually talking to me. Because none of those guys would talk to you back in those days, yeah, at least well, to me. Yeah, well, that's that's the whole thing is you, you only talk in your own echelon yeah. in, until you make a loop with somebody. Like, like me and Duggan never had anything to say. You know, like I was always. But then one loop we rode together and we went to see uh, some Texas loop. And the first day we went to see uh, basketball, and the next day we went to see <laughs> something about Mary. Mm-hmm. And then ever since then, you know, we've got along great, you know. But That's we have nothing connection. to talk about. We just go, hey, remember that loop? Yeah. <laughs> yeah remember basketball? Yeah. That was good. Uh, I remember with the Drunken Four Horsemen, and once again, this, uh, there was we would go to the bar, and everyone would leave, and it would always be the four of us were yeah, the last that, that's ones. Why, because, that's why. And or it would be the after-hours bar where nobody would show up except Kurt and Mongo. And then you and I, but we didn't hang out like we weren't always hanging out together, but we'd always end up there. Like we always knew we were going to end up together at the late, at the after yeah. hours club, and we knew they would be there. And then you came up with the drunken four horsemen. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember though the one night uh... with the, with the eighty five year old lady? Was <laughs> it Betty White? Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about this. Yeah, this this eighty five year old lady with Jordache jeans starts hitting on me. <laughs> And she literally had Jordache jeans. Yeah. But, like, you know, like if your mom was uh, to fold them, she'd fold them so they creased. <laughs> Which you don't want ge- creases in jeans. So. <laughs> and she wasn't 85, but she was, might no, as well she have been. Would, yeah, she might as well have been. 65 and, at least, yeah. Yeah, well over 65. And she had a Harley Davidson trike. And she wanted to take me for a ride. So I go outside and I see the trike. Now I'm getting a little. Like, I, don't, I still wanted to get drunk more. And I wish I would have, like, that's one of my great regrets is I didn't sleep with her. (laughs) 
like not that I wanted to sleep with her, which is why I didn't, but just for comedy purposes. What a like, story! Yeah. What a story! <laughs> I rode her Harley Davidson trike and then I banged her, and, she, and then I folded her Jordache jeans on the crease. Yes, and left her a couple bucks in the, <laughs> <on> the <laughs> nightstand. <laughs> but there's a reason why I didn't sleep with her because she was 85. Yeah. Oh, but she did I, disappear for a while. I tried to pawn her off on Mongo. Yeah, to go look at her trike. Oh. I tried to pawn her off on Mongo, and I, like, because like she kept trying to mac on me and stuff, and I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, hey, oh, Mongo will dance with you. She's like, dance with me. I'm like, no, Mongo will dance with you. And I'd give her to Mongo, and then he'd go dance with her for a little bit, but then she'd come right back to me. Uh, he was a pretty nutty guy, Mongo was. Yeah. I remember the one night he was drinking Jack Daniels. Yeah, I think he had his hand in a cast. And he just remember he just started whacking it on the uh, on the on the, like this marble countertop of the bar that we were in, for no other reason than just because he was drunk and crazy. And then they turned into the, the gang of him, the hair, the makeup lady, um, who I guess who was that? The makeup lady with the bolero hat. Oh yeah, and Hoovy. <laughs> <laughs> and the makeup lady would care would would had tie like a, a belt around Mongo's neck and drag him through the clubs like a, like a dominatrix. And Hoovy was right there tagging along. It was the greatest threesome ever. <laughs> <laughs> the most random gang ever. I know. That was awesome. <laughs> um, but the, so you were talking about um, the hierarchy in WCW. I remember one time. You were saying, I think I'm probably like the 15th most popular guy in WWE. Remember that? <laughs> Remember we, were at the, we went to the water park and you were talking about that somehow. That you were like, there was, there was the top 12. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you were like in the second echelon. Yeah, I was like, I was like it was like me, you, and Booker were in, and in, in, uh, in, in, well, I guess, and Conan, I guess. Yeah, Conan. We're like the right below the, uh, there was like the big 12. It started out as the big 10, but then I guess it became the big 12 with DDP and somebody, I don't forget who else. Like, you know, it was like uh, Giant, Flair, Sting, Luger, uh, Hogan, Hogan, Steiner, Scott Steiner, Hall and Nash, Hall and Nash, um, uh, Buff, maybe. Yeah, I think Buff was probably in there. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, but so, yeah, so then we then we were like in the echelon right below it. So me, you, Conan and Booker were like right below that level and we could never break the glass ceiling. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised you never did, though, man. You were quite the schmoozer. You, you played the game. No, I not me. I never played the game. I was so politically <laughs> incorrect. My, yeah, I ran my mouth about everything. I don't like this. I don't like that. I mean, remember they held a meeting and the first thing Bischoff says is, Raven, if you're unhappy with the company, there's the door. And I walked out. <laughs> And then walked back in. No, I walked out and stayed out, remember? And then I went to ECW. Oh, you went back to ECW. Right, right, yeah, right, yeah. right, 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 right. Yeah, that was, it was, you know, it's funny when you look back to those times because, I mean, that was the glory years of, yeah. of WCW. For it so, really was. And, and I didn't realize, we never realized, well, I mean, it worked out better for you, but I never realized how good I had it, you know, until, yeah. it was, you know, because after that it was uh, WWE where they just treated me like crap. Um, and, uh, and then TNA, which just wasn't the same, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It was like an overgrown indie company. Well, and that's, and that's the thing. Cause you look back at the, at those times and it's funny cause I like, I'm friends with Bischoff now, just like over the last right. couple months basically, and probably haven't seen or talked to the guy in about 10 years and you know, nice guy, yeah, pretty nice yeah, guy. Yeah. Everybody now is, is good guys. But back then. Not the case. No. You know what I mean? Well, I was a prick back then, too. I mean, so I, I have to join the... Um, I was definitely a prick. You know, I, I, where, where I made my biggest mistake in the business is I wanted to fit in so much that, like... Like, I used to... When I was in Portland, I used to go 15, 20 minutes a night. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, that's on Indies... Uh, 
on, on territories, that's what you did. But, you know, then like, you know, the grappler would always like, ah, you're working too hard, kid. You know, the old timers would always say that whether they worked hard or not. And he always worked hard, but like, but he would just say that. And I started becoming one of those people that not only said it, but did it. And, uh, you know, because that's how you, you know, like all the old timers get grumpy. All old timers, you know, are like, take it easy, kid. And there's a point of taking it easy where you're not killing yourself. But there's also a point of just being a lazy, which I became a lazy. And I let um, I let life imitate art too much. You know, I let the Raven character. The Raven character was an extension of of the inside me. It's not, you know, not my persona mm. that i present to the public you know it's like you know me like i'm like i'm the like paul Heyman says i think he said that uh i'm the furthest the the la- the most complete opposite from raven or something like that you know now everybody. yeah but back then you're right though yeah but falling into that but yeah but but i allowed myself to like the character was who i was inside you know that tortured childhood but not who but I, then the character was darker and deeper, but then I allowed that to make me darker and deeper. And then I just, it was like, first uh, art imitated life, but then life started to imitate art. And then that's when I became an alcoholic and a drug addict and, you know, and lazy. I mean, I remember Saturn used to beg me, go, come on, just do a couple spots. I'm like, no, I'll, I'll just come in for the finish. <laughs> you know, win or lose, I didn't care. I was like, look, look that's why I have flunkies, you know, but I, I let that um dictate and and i could never keep my mouth shut like i could never you know i could never not complain about stupidity and that's just the worst thing you can do for a career you know what i mean but but my deal was sealed at wwf or wwe long time ago because when i was there as johnny polo they made me uh they gave me an office across the hall from pat and bruce i'd only been in the business like three years and i was already like a I wrote the secondary shows, and they were grooming me to be on the booking committee. Um, and uh, I was associate producer of Raw, did the wraparounds with Gorilla Monsoon and All-American, and, uh, and I managed uh, the Quebecers. And, uh, but none of it was what I wanted to do. I wanted to wrestle, you know. And, but for some reason, whatever reason, maybe Pat and Bruce just hated me. They hated me. And so when I came back, there was just no way they were letting me get a break. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like, and Pat was like, I don't get your gimmick because you're a good worker. I go, Pat, when you came in, I go, when you started working and you were flying around, what did the old timers think? They thought I was crazy. They didn't get me. I go, exactly, Pat. You're not in my, in my demographic. He's like, I still don't get it, which just, you know, means he just didn't like me, you know, and he didn't. And Bruce hated me. And, uh. So I was screwed there to begin with. I mean, I came up with, finally, like at one point, I came up with this, this storyline, one of the greatest storylines, probably the greatest storyline I ever wrote, um, uh, The Seven Deadly Sins, which I never got to do, but I ran, I, ran by, I ran it by Vince, and Vince, for like the third time, asked me, he goes, man, do you want to be on the booking committee? And I was like, no, I don't want to be on the booking committee. I, I want to do the story. He's like, ah. Oh. He's like, all right. You know, he goes, um, he goes, we'll start it next week. And so next week... What, what was the Seven Deadly Sins angle? I'm saving it. Oh, okay. For my big non-comeback. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll write it when I write a book someday. All right, so you and had... Plus, a, so, it takes way too long to tell you. Okay, so Vince was going to start it the next week, though. Yeah, it started the next week. So I show up at TV, and we weren't doing it, because somebody put a... You know, because, oh, we're going to start it on Heat instead, because Pat, Pat said that, you know, he doesn't think you could handle such a storyline, so we're going to do it on Heat instead, mm-hmm. which was already, you know, so Pat already... 
You know what I mean? Because on heat, nobody cares, and I'm not going to get the attention. Right. And then for some reason, they didn't start it that week, and then the next week. And by four weeks later, finally, I said to Vince, I go, are we ever going to start this? And Vince was like, you know how Vince is. He's hot or he's cold. Mm-hmm. By then, he was cold. You know, it was like no longer anything that was on his purview. So, And you know how he gets like that. If, if he doesn't do it, when he's hot on something, he'll change heaven and earth. Like he actually, yes. when he heard the storyline, he we were in Memphis. I was supposed to work Lawler and get a, and you know, obviously I was putting Lawler over. He changed it to me walking out and getting DQ'd. Mm-hmm. You know how much heat I got for that? Although that could have also been Vince pulling a rib. Right. But he had me quit heat that night. You know that that taping. He had me uh, do that just because he loved it. But then once you know, then Pat got in his ear. He was still hot for it. But then when it didn't start, I should have said something the first week. But you know, it's funny. It's you would think you don't get intimidated, you know, because we're all adults. But Vince always intimidated me. I'm sure he did for you for a long time. You know, same with Bischoff. You know, like he's the boss, though. You yeah, know, that's why. I mean, you Vince, know, Vince is still intimidating even now. But like you said, because he's the boss. Yeah, and it's weird. Like you, get, I get more nervous. I would get more nervous talking to him than I would in front of you know thirty thousand people or, or doing or in front of two hundred people doing stand up, which was more nerve wracking. You know, two hundred people for stand up doing a stand up act than it was doing um, than it was in front of thirty thousand people. Mm-hmm. But like, but like, I'll give you an example of being nervous. Is I went up to Bischoff about something, and my shoulder I had a separate, I had a torn rotator cuff, and I'm like, man, I'm like, you know, blah blah blah, and he's like, you know, well, I, I didn't, I was like, you know, I go. You know, if this was, I didn't, and I didn't want to say Hogan, and I said Hogan's name. I just wanted to say anybody who was on my level. And I go, you know, if this was Hogan, you would, you would do something. And it's, you know, because you're just out of nerves. And he goes, well, you know, Hogan's a different case. And I, and I had another conversation about something else, and I said the same thing again. Mm. Uh, and I'm like, and you can't, that's all they hear, you know, is you're busy fumble around going, yeah. that, that was a Bill Watson. Oh, they were fumble around i stole it but <laughs> but uh you know you can't take your like i mean i didn't mean to yeah. say that and it's already too late you know so well, especially with those guys if you go in there with a with a with a strong case like a lawyer and pitch it you'll have a chance if you go in there and stutter and well maybe we could do this way right. or, or, or what do you think you're right. done you're, you're finished done. forget about it it's, it's like when they when wcw they would always uh like Sullivan and Terry Taylor, because I got to write my own storylines, they hated having, uh, they hated that at the time. Like, I get along great with both of them now, um, which is really cool to get along with Sullivan because he was always a hero of mine. But, uh, from, because I grew up watching Florida Championship mm-hmm. Wrestling. But, um, they would always try and, they would always try and find ways for me to lose, even though it made no sense just because they didn't like me having, you know, any kind of semblance of, you know, my own power. Um, and I was like the only guy that Bischoff let write his own storylines. Uh, besides, was that something you had? Besides Hogan, was that something you had when you got in there? Or, or no, no, I just along the way because through DDP, because mm-hmm. me and DDP were such good friends that I got an ear to Bischoff. You know what I mean? For to, to a certain extent, and uh, and I think you know, well, fine, whatever, let him do what he wants. You know what I mean? I mean, it was always I never because I never asked to work with anybody above my level, mm-hmm. so you never had to worry about that. They were always entertaining storylines. They didn't take up a lot of time and space. You know what I mean? Like I, I was smart about it, and. So, and which ties into the same point is like, you know, if I would have tried to work with, you know, guys above me, it would have got shot down in a heartbeat. So why even propose that? Mm-hmm. But the, um, wait, um, what was I saying? The, uh, 
You were talking about writing the the, the angle yeah, yeah. storylines. Yeah, and- yeah. So, oh yeah. So, so they'd always try to find try to find a way to beat me for no reason. They go, hey, listen, we need you to lose to this guy this week, and I'm like, I'm and but and but I never I never had to put those guys over because I would always find like think on my feet. I'd go, well, listen, that I'd love to do that, but doesn't it make more sense if we do it this and I beat him because you know because of the angle and blah blah blah. And they're like, yeah, because, you know, you can't argue. There's a certain amount of logic. Yeah. And then we, and then you know, so then we'd walk out the door and it'd be cool. And I wouldn't have to put the, whoever, like, you know, some schmuck over for no reason. Mm-hmm. Which, I, which I wouldn't have minded if it meant, if it meant it something, sense, yeah. you know. And so, and Ken used to be like, how do you do that? He goes, I go, you know, because they'd go, I'm, he's like, I'm going back in and getting my finish changed. And he'd go back in, they wouldn't change it. I go, you can't go back in because the, the, Instantly, they're going to say, well, it's already in the truck. We can't change it, <laughs> you know, but you have to be, think, on your feet and be prepared and you have to have a defense for what you're going to say, but you can't come back to it. You can't, mm. you know, it's like you can't think of a good snappy comeback two days later and go, <laughs> oh, yeah, well, you suck, too. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. You have to be prepared. Yeah. Because I, I know I, I never really had much of a rapport with, with Eric and, like you said, very intimidated. But with Vince, if you have an alternative way of doing things, you have a chance because he'll listen. He'll listen. If you feel it, I'd say three out of five times will go with it. You know what I mean? But if you go in there and it's like, well, I don't like this. What do you want to do? Well, I don't know. Something different. Yeah, you can't Forget do that. It. Yeah, and people don't get that. Yeah. You know, it's like people, everybody wants a push. Everybody wants, I go, well, then come up with a character. I go, you know, if you're just waiting for someone to cast you, which is basically what it is, it's a casting call when they come up with a character, I go, if you already have something, they go, a booker goes, oh, I can do something with that. It's much easier to do something with somebody than it is to find a new guy and make up a whole new thing and do mm. a whole new thing with him. You know, it's so much easier, although now it's so different because it's so writery. You know what mm, I mean? Yeah. You know, yeah, very much so very writery. <laughs> yeah. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Did you come up with, uh, obviously, with the, with the whole flock? Raven's flock? Um, I think... Man, that goes back to, to the original one. I think I had Stevie. They gave me Stevie, and then... This is in WCW? No, no, before that. In ECW. Yeah, ECW. They gave me Stevie, because um, he was going to bring me in. Um, and so I put Stevie in, in, you know, like, in Daisy Dukes, because, like, Raven wears jean shorts. Well, he, and in Stevie's mind, well, to me, so he wouldn't wear it, but I'll wear Daisy Dukes. <laughs> and I'll wear a half shirt, because it's trendier, <laughs> which is anything but, you right. know? And then I came up with the meanie, and and I, and then Nova already had his character, but I threw him into the mix, uh, and uh, so I kind of built my own flock. And Beulah, I, I found in um, in Miami, and I, I told the story a bunch of times. We went to the Super Bowl. I, f- I forget what number it was, and uh, so uh, I was at a club afterwards. And I ran into Ron Gant. Let me drop a name here. Ron Gant, my good friend from a baseball player. And uh, I actually haven't seen him in years. He had like the largest arms for a baseball player, didn't he? Oh, yeah? I don't remember, yeah. Yeah, huge. Um, 
Had to be gas to the gills. Well, yeah, all those baseball players are on the gas, right? Yeah. I found that out now. Well, they should be. <laughs> yeah. The um, So you, you saw her at a club? I saw her at a club. Uh, well, no, I saw Ron. Ron was, Ron was with her. She was with Ron. And uh, Ron's like, hey, this is my buddy Raven. This is uh, um, Teresa. Teresa. This is Teresa. Or Trissa or something like that. Yeah, Teresa. Um, and she's like, oh, he goes, like, he's a wrestler. She's like, oh, I want to get back into wrestling. I go, what do you mean get back into wrestling? And I go, and here's how everything comes back. In wrestling, everything comes full circle. She goes, oh, I used to wrestle as Pil- I used to be a valet as Pillman's sister in Calgary. In Calgary. That's right. Did you ever see her on that? Or? I never did. I never uh, did. But she told me that when I was, uh, yeah, when I was in so, ECW. So I was like, sure. So she, um, I said, well, send some pictures. So she sent some penthouse pictures from when her penthouse thing, you know. Um, and so I showed them to Paulie. Paul's like, I'm like, we got to hire her. You know, any girl that sends these pictures is definitely, you know, a, yeah. you know, perfect. And she's gorgeous. And uh, he's like, we'll stick her with you. And I'm like, I don't need a girlfriend. Like, I always had a girl before. Like, you know, because and, and, and here's the thing that I hate that so many people have have women in their act. But they don't know how to use them. Right. Like to me, it's like if you don't know how to use her, then don't, don't have, have her it. and right. don't kill it for everybody else. Or and don't put like to me, if you're going to put women in the show, which I think you should, I think you need lots of women. But the uh, there's there's so many other places than they make them valets. You know, I mean, just valet. Like, well, I guess now they, I don't know, actually I don't even know because I don't even watch anymore. But but for a while there was like. So there's like 80 valets in the business, or at mm-hmm. least maybe that's how it is on the indie shows. You know, everybody has a valet, and the valets, you know, are deers in the headlights. You know, they don't know what they're doing. The guy using her doesn't know what he's doing with her because there's a whole psychology to that. Right. And um, so, but I didn't think I needed her. Um, and uh, but Paulie's like, no, no, she'll be perfect. So I came up with the, you know, first I'd come up with the summer camp idea with me and Tommy, and then I came up with. Uh, the backstory that she was the uh, the fat girl whole thing, and so that's how she got into business. But I forgot what the question. Well, was. Well, that was your flock, but I was talking yeah. about more of the, the WCW flock. I kind of want to go through all the members oh. of that. Oh, okay. So because when you came from ECW WCW, you kind of brought, brought that idea well, with you. Terry Taylor brought Stevie with him with me. Oh, okay. Or right after, and he thought he was doing me a favor, but me and Stevie were like two bitches, <laughs> like you know, like ah. I'm like, and, and and I didn't want Stevie with me, and he didn't want to be with me at that point, you know, and he was in a bad place. Um, and you know, the, uh, we get along great now, you know, actually he lives like 10 minutes from me, but, uh, oh. yeah, but, um, but at the time that was, a, that was the worst thing for either one of us. So he, uh, I think he just decided to quit or something, which, I mean, I would never have forced him to that, you know, cause business is business. But so I think he walked away from that and, uh, then, um, they gave me, uh, I don't, I don't know how, um, I guess they, Terry probably said, well, we'll get, oh, we're going to give you a flock or something. And then, so I wanted to pick all new guys, guys that had never been seen, because I hate when they try to retread people, because mm-hmm. invariably it almost never works. And it has the stench of failure. I mean, if, you, if, if you're going to be a retread, you've got to be totally changed in a gimmick. You know, it's like I went from Johnny Polo to Raven, you know right. what I mean? Where people were shocked when they found out that I used to be Johnny Polo, because mm-hmm. it was such a contrast, mm-hmm. you know. And to me... You know, just like to take a guy, well, okay, he didn't work there, so let's stick him here. And that didn't work. Let's stick him there. You know, I didn't want to do that. Um, But uh, the first guy I picked was Sick Boy because he was in the training He was in the uh, power plant. The guy could work like a son of a bitch. uh, Big kid. Big kid. Good looking. Fit the part. Um, They gave me Kidman, which which worked once. Sullivan made him scratch. But he hated it scratching. Really? Like, yeah, he hated doing it because he just didn't get the business back then, you know? Yeah. 
He was scratching. He was like kind of some kind of a heroin addict, addict yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, they gave me Van, Paige made me take Van Hammer and Ron Reese, which I mean nothing against <laughs> yeah, those guys, but they were retreads. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, let me, well, Reese was a giant too. But yeah, but a he, literal giant. But he, yeah, but he couldn't. Well, that's what I mean. You can't recast a giant. You've seen him as Ron Reese, and now suddenly he's in the flock. Right. Well, not only that, but he needed to be put. If I was going to have booked Ron Reese, I would have booked him in a, in a way to protect him, not to let him go out there and stumble around on his own, you know? Mm-hmm. You got a giant, and there's ways to get him over. Sullivan, if Sullivan wanted to get him over, he would have got him over. He would have just put him out there and just let him squash people. Yeah. But but he had so much stench of failure on him from the uh, from the uh, the Yeti. F- <laughs> <laughs> and this is when... Uh, it was Giant and Hogan, and then the Yeti came to the ring, who looked more like a mummy. And Hogan was in the corner, and Giant and Yeti were like humping him. Yeah, in the basically. corner. Or actually, one was in front, one was behind. It looked yeah. like they were kind of like, had yeah. him in a Hogan sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> See, but I always liked Sullivan's th- booking process: heat, 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 heat. You got to have heat. And, uh, and if I'm working as a baby face, I still say, get heat, beat me up, and leave me in a heap. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I always believe in that. And if he w- and so Reese should have been a, a, either a protected guy or just get rid of him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Either use him and give him one more shot as a monster or get rid of him. Right. And, uh, but to just throw him in. But then the, he ended up working out okay because he became a, a, the carrier for Kidman. Because Kidman used to ride up on his shoulders, which always looked cool. So then after a while, I was like, well... As long as they're not using Reese, you know, in a in a in a way that's hurting us, you know, it's okay because he he's such a giant and Kidman looked so cool, like 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 that guy in the uh, Road Warrior movie. Yeah, 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 right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. and um, they gave me Riggs. Um, I didn't want Riggs. Uh, nothing against Riggs. Yeah. I, I love Riggs, but he was a retread from the American Males. Um, but I think what we did with him made him really good because we uh, we. Broke it. We uh, destroyed his eye, and he wore an eye patch. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, now he looks pretty cool and looks different. Um, and the um, and I don't know how he did it, but I, to work with one eye, like the, the oh depth yeah, perception, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my God, I'd have been like the guy would be throwing the clothes on. I'd be running on the other side, the <laughs> yeah. other direction. Stan Hansen gimmick. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know how he did it, but he did it great. Um, Saturn they gave me, but I like Saturn was a retread, but I didn't care because I, you know, me and Saturn like boys, and he was he was fantastic. Yeah, um, he looked he looked like such a killer too. Yeah, he, yeah, exactly. Um, who else was there? Uh, Boulder. Who? Oh yeah, Horace Hogan. Yeah, that, that Jimmy Hart comes up to you one day. He goes, "Hey, you mind putting uh, Horace in the flock?" You know, Hogan Hogan Hulk would consider it a favor. I'm like, sure. What am I going to say? No. Like, like it wasn't a what, question. What, what you mean? What are you saying that that Horace was Hogan's nephew? Yeah. Uh, what? That, which is a, that, that's, that's the reason we're snickering is that's a running gag for 20 years now. Because <laughs> what happened was so Horace so they give me Horace and uh, and um, and plus he'd worked that style in Japan so that was his kind of uh, deal yeah. anyway. But you know it, it was a it was a question where the answer was yes. There was no no answer because they would have said well no. If I would have said no, I don't want him. Then they would have said, well, you're taking him. So, I mean, why would you say yeah, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And who cares? You know what I mean? Like, he looked the part, and he also could wrestle the part. But so then... <laughs> so I come back to the to the group. You know, like, we had this group that hung out me, Jericho, Disco, Conan, 
Um, I forget who else, but that was pretty much the core of it. Like yeah. those other guys would come and go, but that was kind yeah. of the, the group there. And uh, and you're like, ah, what a schmoozer! You're getting Hogan's nephew to be your uh, thing. I go, what? Horace is Hulk's nephew? I had no idea. (laughs) So it became a running gag. And then I go, and then I go, go, ah, you're just schmoozing. I go, I'm schmoozing my way to the top. And then you thought I was serious about that because you called me on that one day. You go, I thought you were schmoozing your way to the top. I go, well, if I am, it's not working. When that's what happened, it was kind of like uh, you guys became like a like an NWO junior, where there was like you guys just got bigger and bigger and bigger, and your flock had like ten guys in it at one point. But the best part was, they never got any wins. <laughs> I begged for wins. Kidman used to get so mad at me. I go, it's not my, it's not me. I I asked Sullivan all the time. They didn't want to push me any harder, you know. Mm-hmm. So I was lucky. I was getting wins, you know, just to keep us afloat. And and at least we were in angles. But I think what what, what got the flock over was that. What really got him over was the, um, I think we first worked with DDP. No, Benoit was first, mm-hmm. I think. And, um, and what I would do is everybody else, when they have a, like a, a mob, you know, a bunch of guys, they all come in and they all, mug, they all mug the baby face. Boom, 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 boom. And they just beat him down. And then the baby face punch, 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 and fights his way out of it and they all bump. I thought, I thought, you know what, wouldn't it be more interesting if, they go to if 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 the baby faces uh, if we're coming in there and they're just getting bumped anyway, why don't they come with a different attack? Like so, what would happen is Kidman would get down there first and he'd go for a big cross body on the guy or whatever. The guy would just move out the way and he'd pancake. Then out would come somebody else and he'd get back dropped over the top rope. Somebody else they so I would choreograph it. So I mean, and here's the thing about choreographing. You have to make it look organic. You have to make it look like it's not choreographed. Like the more you could choreograph something so tight that every single hand gesture, which I mean, I'm not a big fan of that, but with every single little tweak is so choreographed and never look like it. Um, or you can do it like like high spot guys do it where everything looks mm-hmm. choreographed. And the difference is, is there has to be beats and pauses and breaks. So it's like Kidman would fly off the top. Boom, he'd crash and burn. There'd be a beat. Boom. Shit, here comes somebody else. Bam, back dropped off the top. So it looks like these guys are just coming and this guy's just, whoa. Like, you know, he's just doing whatever he can to fight him off. Um, next guy comes. Big boot in the face. Boom. Another guy comes off the top. Diamond cutter. Bang. Um, and then he slides out to the floor or something. And so... It's like a street fight in a karate movie where yeah. the guy takes each guy on at a time. Bam, boom, boom, boom. But, but more so than that, because even that looks too choreographed, it was like I wanted it to look where just, unfortunately, our timing was just a hair off. Like gotcha. If, if the first guy would have nailed him, but no, he just barely moved. The gang that couldn't shoot straight. Exactly. <laughs> the apple dumpling gang. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the, that was my favorite name for the flock the gang that couldn't shoot straight. Yeah, you just never quite got it. You never quite got it. We'll uh, we'll continue this. Uh, we'll continue this later. But uh, to finish off, favorite silent live cast member of all time. Um, uh, let me think. Hang on. I have to take even a better. Close your eyes and run your finger <laughs> through there. And, and, and my favorite. My favorite sketch. I'll tell you the what? Jeopardy sketch. Oh yeah, with uh, Sean Connery. And when here the funny thing about that is. Norm MacDonald actually, uh, he wrote the, the, the original Jeopardy sketch. He wanted to use it as a vehicle for his, uh, for his Burr Reynolds impression. <laughs> 
but it ended up becoming the Daryl Hammond show. Yeah, that's right. But, and but the really, Farrell show and too. Farrell show, yeah. yeah like, like that's why Farrell was so good. Like he may be my favorite because mm-hmm. he was such a team player. Yeah. Like he would take the the like the Jeopardy guy. You think is not the Alex Trebek character. You think he's. He's the straight man, but he's getting more laughs just being the straight man because of his faces and, and yeah. uh, the way he played everything off. But the, the other thing I was going to say is one of my favorite characters was the uh, was uh, Debbie Downer. Yeah. <laughs> and I love when nobody could keep a straight face. They showed that last night. She's like, well, here's some news. I can never have a baby. Wah, wah. And everyone's laughing. cracking yeah, up. Including her. <laughs> All right, thanks to Raven, and we ended that conversation the way we did because Raven was supposed to meet me at, like, I think 4 o'clock before we had band rehearsal in uh, Atlanta one day. He didn't get there until 4.45. I had to leave at, like, 5.30, so uh, the conversation wasn't over, but instead of sitting there for 45 minutes doing nothing or whatever it was, 50 minutes, hour, uh, we decided to have a, a conversation, and then I went back to his house later on that night, and we finished up the conversation, got more in-depth into all the different things we were talking about, and I'm going to air that episode in a few weeks. So there'll be more Raven coming up and you can rest assured it's more ridiculosity and more. Eh, that's pretty good. Uh, and lots of good stuff going on this summer. Y2J WWE summer tour is more than half over. I can't believe it. After the crazy, amazing tour last week in Japan, love the shows in Tokyo with Finn Balor, which you can see on YouTube and Neville, which you can see on the WWE network. And you can see me tonight in Philadelphia and tomorrow night, uh, Saturday, July 11th in Pittsburgh, 31st, San Diego, August 1st, Ontario, California, August 2nd, Fresno, California, August 15th, Detroit, Michigan, August 16th, East Lansing, Michigan. More dates to follow. i got a pretty jam-packed uh, month of August. Go to WWE.com and check out all of those dates. And go to FozzyRock.com to check out all the upcoming Fozzy Rock dates, mostly in Canada for the rest of the summer, July 24th in Kitchener, Ontario, 8th in Hamilton, 9th in Heavy Montreal. Then we do the Kiss Cruise in October. Then we go back to uh, England and Europe and uh, UK and all those great places. November 14th, go to FozzyRock.com. Check out all of the information and VIP information and come see me and come hang out with me. Uh, I want to say quickly uh, a quick uh, rest in peace to the sudden passing of Amanda Peterson, who, if you don't know who she was, was Cindy Mancini in one of my all-time favorite movies, Can't Buy Me Love. She was so beautiful in that movie. She was my high school crush, one of, uh, one of them for, for sure. Uh, my friend Tyler and I were always pining over her even years after the movie came out. Just go watch Can't Buy Me Love, and she's so amazingly hot. And uh, she she was great in that movie, great actress. And um, we found out she had an untimely demise earlier this week. So uh, goodbye to Amanda Peterson. Never got a chance to meet her, but she brightened my life and my days many, many times. So uh, I will watch Can't Buy Me Love forever and always think of her. So a uh, quick prayer for uh, Amanda Peterson and a quick prayer to all you guys. And a quick thank you as well for joining me on Talk is Jericho. You guys are amazing. Without you. I wouldn't be able to do this for free for twice a week. <laughs> and I wouldn't be able to do it for free without the sponsors as well. DraftKings, DollarShaveClub.com, DDPyoga, NatureBox.com, MeUndies, and of course, the sponsor who's been with us since number one, since day number one, uh, Amazon. It's the easiest way to support this show. Use my links when you go shopping to pick up anything you want. Go pick up Can't Buy Me Love on DVD. Uh, go pick up uh, you know Sharknado 1 and Sharknado 2 since Sharknado is out next week. I can't believe it. You're going to love it. Uh 
Black Veil Brides DVD Alive and Burning, Cauterized Mark Tremonti uh, album, Corey Taylor's new book, You're Making Me Hate You, a cantankerous look at the common misconception that humans have any common sense left. Best title ever. Corey was great on the show on uh, the last episode. Uh, check that out if you haven't heard it. Uh, and go to podcastone.com if you want to check out my sponsors. Click on the Support or Show Sponsors banner at the top of the page, then hit the Talk is Jericho button. I got Amazon links for the USA, the UK, and the Canada A. Every time we do that, Amazon kicks back a little cash to the show so we keep doing this for you for free for a week no extra fees or hidden challenges you're just getting shopping done help me out in the process so remember go to podcastone.com click on the supporter show sponsors banner at the top of the page you wagey hit the talk is jericho button and do what you can to keep this show rolling man and keep and rolling keep and rocking uh next week next wednesday i got my good buddy uh randy blythe D. Randall Bly, actually. It's, it's Bly, like Captain Bly. His new book, Dark Days, is out. He was in a Czechoslovakian prison for 37 days on a uh, attempted murder charge that he was later cleared for. Uh, very, very crazy. He was uh, on stage with his band, Lamb of God. A kid jumped on stage and stage dove and ended up dying of, of some kind of a brain hemorrhage or whatever. And, and Randy was blamed, was arrested, and put straight in jail for 30 some odd days wrote a book about it it's a riveting story it's gonna be a riveting show that will be on wednesday so we'll see you then stay hard stay cool stay hungry peace love and hugs and a big yeah boy you can download new episodes of talk is jericho every wednesday and friday at podcast one.com that's podcast one.com <laughs>